a question for regular evaluation is this. Is my faith in my faith or is my faith in my king? So I'm asking you that this morning, but I'm also saying this is a question that you can ask yourself for regular evaluation. Is my faith in my faith or is my faith in my king? Now, faith in your faith usually looks like believing you believed in the past. Yeah, I believe now that I really trusted in him then. It's typically stale faith, monochromatic, and uh, self-centered. My faith is strong, right? I believe in the sincerity of my belief. It's like, what? How did you make all that about you? But putting your hope in your faith is like putting all your eggs in one basket with a massive hole in the bottom. They're just going to keep falling out. They're going to keep breaking. And that, that experience, I mean, just think about if it's a real basket, but that just that experience of putting all your hope in your own faith, it just initiates, it, it stirs up fear. Like All your eggs are going to break because you and your faith aren't that strong. And when you actually know that, and you keep living like that on your own, on your own dependence, on your own power, on your own strength, then you're going to feel over time the fear creep in. Like, really? This is on you? You can handle this? You're putting your confidence in yourself? So you and your faith isn't that strong, but Jesus is. What really matters is the object of your faith. And the question is there, is it something else, or is it Jesus? Something else includes faith, right? If your faith is in your faith, your faith is in something other than Jesus. And what I'm asking is, what is the object of your faith? Because the enemy wants to tempt us to distrust the Father. Tempt us to put our faith in ourselves. Scare us with doubts intimidate us by harassing our kids and our houses remind us of items that scare us rejection isolation condemnation death lies and fear lies and fear it's the clear strategies of the enemy accusations and terror accusations and terror and so we're, we're about five weeks into this passage, walking through spiritual warfare from Ephesians 6, talking about fighting the enemy. And a question I hear, and I, I've tried to answer a few times uh, throughout these Sundays, but I want to try to answer now, is why, why does, if we're in this space where Jesus' kingdom is already but not yet, if he's already decisively won the victory, it is finished, we fight a defeated foe, but we still fight a defeated foe until one day that Jesus' kingdom fully reigns and he sends Satan and all his minions to the thing he created for them, that being hell. But we live in this spot, right? And the question is, like, why does God allow the enemy any continued existence, presence, ability to do anything to us? It's a big question. That's why I've tried to answer it here and there. One more attempt. In his wonderful book, Understanding Spiritual Warfare, Sam Storms writes it this way. 
What all this means is that God is determined to defeat Satan in stages, progressively rather than in one decisive act. This is God's strategy because it will serve to glorify his greatness and beauty more than any other approach. So there are a few reasons, but to get down to it, it's all about God's glory. And so he walks through these stages of Satan's defeat. And I want you to hear this and think about this and rejoice in this. First stage was the incarnation of the Son of God in human flesh. You may recall that according to Revelation 12, Satan made every effort to destroy Jesus at his birth. We know this because King Herod, Satan's accomplice, sought to kill all the newborn boys in Bethlehem. Second stage was when Jesus resisted Satan's temptations in the wilderness. Third stage, Jesus cast out demons from those who had come under their oppressive influence. Uh, Fourth stage was when Jesus disarmed and humiliated the demonic host by his voluntary sufferings on the cross for sinners. That's what Paul means when he says in Colossians 2 that he publicly triumphed over, put them to shame. Fifth stage, when he brings men and women to saving faith in himself. The Apostle Paul said that the purpose of his mission to the Gentiles was what? To open their eyes so that they may turn from the power of Satan to God. In the absence of sin and guilt, Satan has no power or authority over us. By permitting Satan to exist until the end of time, he is compelled to watch as God's elect people turn to Christ for forgiveness and treasure him above anything Satan could ever provide. In other words, when by God's grace men and women turn to Jesus, it exposes the ugliness of Satan and highlights the beauty of Christ. That's what's happening here in this war that we're a part of. The sixth stage is when we, by God's sustained strength and by our use of the armor, he has read, resist Satan's temptations. The seventh and final stage is when God will put all of his attributes on display at the final judgment of Satan when he cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. Progressively defeating our enemy for his glory. Showing off his power again and again and again. I told you last week that what God creates, Satan only counterfeits. He's a copycat. He has nothing original. He just counterfeits what God has done. And you see here that he really has nothing. Every time he shows up to the battle, defeated, 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 defeated. Like that, that's it. If, if This is seven stages, right? If this is a series, a playoff series, a seven. We already got past it, right? Four wins. No, five and six. All of the wins. Undefeated right here is Jesus. Now, you may object to this thinking that that's a really costly price to pay. That Jesus offering up himself for us to die in our place. You may think this seems too God-centered. Or you may be thinking, I would have done it differently. Because of where you've been and maybe the spiritual warfare attacks that you've experienced, you would say, I would have done it differently. Well, Jesus counted the cost and paid it. And I want to trust the infinite one rather than you or myself. I want to trust his plan more than what you think the plan should have been or my plan. 
And the God-centered answer is always the best and biblical answer. So you may have objections, but I just, I just want you to know, you're a part of the enemy's defeat. You get to be a part of God's victory over the enemy. That's a part of his plan, is that he gets to rescue you, pull you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, and then equip you to fight this fight together. So what the sixth sage said, it said, by God's sustaining strength and by our use of the armor he has provided, we resist Satan's temptations. So, so we need to learn to observe this passage, to take up arms against the devil and stand firm. Back to being God-centered, Sam Storm says it this way in spiritual warfare and in this prayer that we're about to get into. He says, be glad in God. Be satisfied with all that he is for you in Jesus and say no to Satan and his demons and in doing so, uh, doing so, show God to be immeasurably glorious and sufficient for all your needs. If you can just think about like what, what the enemy is offering you, it is just lies and accusations and terror. That's what he's offering you. What, he's, what Sam is trying to say there is, those are all, it's all bait. It's all bait. You can't see it, maybe. But there is a silvery metal hook just sitting there in all of it, waiting for you to grab onto this, waiting for you to bite onto that lie, waiting for you to cower in fear, waiting for you to say yes to that little temptation that's going to give them to that real pattern of, oh, this is my whole life temptation. Sam goes on, he says, which I've been trying to say, he says, I believe there's yet another reason why God doesn't immediately destroy Satan. And that reason is found in Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. The victory, this is why I wanted to read this. The victory we achieve over the enemy will only come about by means of perseverance in prayer. In other words, it is only as we turn to God in prayer over and over and over again that we overcome Satan's seduction. So, Let's look at this passage, Ephesians 6, it's 18 through 20, but I want to back up. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one underneath your seat or in front of you in a seat. I just want to see it. If you know where Ephesians is, think about three quarters of that book you open up and then keep going, and you'll hit Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Okay, Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist righteousness like armor on your chest 
and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Just that ending is the reality of his belief that he's teaching and talking about spiritual warfare. Then he ends with asking for prayer because he so believes that it is at the heart of spiritual warfare. Prayer is at the heart of spiritual warfare. So he's asking, teaching about to pray, uh, about to fight the enemy, then also ask them to pray for him. Why? Because he, he needs help. He is asking for help to preach the gospel boldly. If you know a little bit about Paul, you know how like this sounds a little strange. Like, I thought this was the guy, this was the bold guy, right? It just shows you that all of us need the Lord. We all need one another. We all need others praying for us. Why? Because prayer is at the heart of spiritual warfare. Prayer is the power behind the armor. It's, it's the activity that taps into the power. All I could think about this week was Iron Man 2 and that guy putting on the, the suit, and it's really nothing until the energy comes, right? Okay, six of you that have seen that movie. And remember, uh, I can't remember his name, but just puts on, and it's, it's just ropes on a metal structure. Throw some power into it. And now this is, it's a weapon. This can cause some damage. This can tear up some stuff, right? And that, that's what it's like to, to try to put on all this armor without prayer. It's like I've got all this kind of big, maybe clunky things, but I got no power. Can't really do much with it. Prayer is the activity that taps into power. It energizes all the weapons because Prayer is you communing with the one who gave you all the weapons. And so Paul doesn't present this prayer as an additional weapon in line with all the other weapons or armor that he said. No, this is a foundational and continuous activity that is crucial to take up all the armor. Do you hear me? This isn't the next piece. What he's saying is this undergirds all of it. This undergirds all of it. This energizes all of it. So pray at all times. This goes back to verses 10 and 11 and then 14. We're strengthened by praying. We stand by praying. We depend on the Lord by praying. And so you, you should be able, hopefully at this point, if you've been a few weeks of this Ephesians 6, to no longer read this text and think, oh, that's kind of good, or uh, maybe I did that in the past, but actually know what this is speaking. And when Paul calls us to stand by the Spirit's power, one clear, evident piece of that is 
praying. You stand against the enemy by praying. You're strengthened by praying. Andrew Lincoln, one commentator, he says, prayer for strengthening from God can be seen as a major way in which believers appropriate the divine armor and are enabled to stand. And if that was enough, Paul has actually done this twice already in this letter himself. In chapter 1, he prayed that we will gain an expanded awareness of God's power available to us. That's what he's praying. And that we know the truth of our new identity in Christ, which is tantamount, which is the same as putting on the belt of truth and putting on the helmet of salvation and wearing Christ's righteousness. But then in chapter 3, he prays that God will actually strengthen us with his mighty power through his spirit in the depths of our being. So prayer epitomizes what Paul is saying in Ephesians 6, 10, be strong in the Lord. Be strengthened by him through prayer. It represents what prayer is doing is you're calling on God to empower you to fulfill what he's called you to do and you to be. And this is another way God is glorified in spiritual warfare. Through our dependence on him. Now, he, he could have shut down the enemy without us asking to give him, to asking, without us asking him to give us strength and power and wisdom and incentive to stand firm in our faith. But, but prayer magnifies him more. And you can balk at that or you can receive that as the gift that it is and use it the way he intends it. You say, oh, I don't think that's a great plan. Again, can I just gently ask you, if, you're, if your God never disagrees with you, are you worshiping God or are you worshiping your version of that God? So you, you can balk who he is, but this is who he is and what he's given you is, is what he's given you. Prayer magnifies him more. It puts God on display as the only one worthy of our devotion and trust. I, I'm, I had a food poisoning or a stomach bug recently, and, and when I'm in bed and out of it and sleeping and waking and then going back to sleep, uh, I just ask my wife for help, and you know what she does? She's so nice, and she helps me. And she takes care of me and brings me food. And then the boys were out working in the backyard doing something. I say that to say, who gets the glory there? Not me. All I did was ask for help. It's the person that helped me, right? So who gets the glory in the spiritual warfare? You or Jesus as you keep asking him for help to work, to show up, to, to strengthen you. So prayer magnifies him, glorifies his, uh, glory, glorifies him. The Lord is my refuge, my safety. The Lord is my warrior king. That, that's what prayer is. That's what prayer says. So what you're doing in prayer 
and asking for help, appealing to his mercy, appealing to his power, his depending on him, which is, again, showing off the magnitude of his beauty and glory. And when I said earlier about faith being in your faith or faith being in your king, I think prayer is the piece that usually answers that evaluation question for you. Meaning, if your faith is in your faith, then why do you need to talk to the one who's the originator of your faith? If your faith is in your faith, then it, it becomes impersonal, separated. It could be your faith in your intelligence. It could be your faith in doctrine. It could be your faith in how much you know about doctrine. But all further and further removed from the person, the being, the God, that prayer uh, forces you to go to and actually commune with and talk to and relate to and trust faith. Actually trust him in a moment. Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my safety. So pray at all times, right? Commune with him. Be in his presence. He's a dad. He's a father. Curl up in his lap and talk to him. Your fears, tell him. Your dreams, tell him. Your hopes, tell him. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. At all times. This is what Paul said multiple times. At every opportunity, pray without ceasing. In the Spirit. That means to seek the Spirit's guidance and direction and help with every prayer and request. That means every conceivable form of prayer. Every form. The one you're thinking of right now. Yes, that one. Every form of prayer. Silent prayer, audible prayer, short prayers, long prayers, private prayers, public prayers. Prayer with fasting. Prayer with feasting. Petition, request, intercession. Rebuking prayers. Prayers rebuking the enemy. Doctrinal praying. Praying the truth. Praying the scriptures. Emotional praying. Meaning, maybe some Romans 8 stuff is happening. You, don't even, you can't even put it to words. You're bubbling and crying like a, a kid that has never learned how to control your emotions. Yeah, that's it. That's fine. There's those moments. Every conceivable form for Yeah, are you going to the Lord, taking and weeping to him? Yes. Resisting the enemy praying. Prayers of thanksgiving. Confession. Prayer for healing. Prayer for help. Prayer for courage. Every conceivable form of prayer. And maybe that's why you, you can just, if you, if you think about that, uh, uh, expand a little bit, maybe you can think, oh, I can pray at all times because this is, communing with God. This is a relationship. I talk to him and I listen to him and I hear from him and I'm in his presence and I, I thank him and then I also rebuke the enemy and I, I also pray for help and I pray for courage and I pray for others and I grieve losses with him. Every conceivable form of prayer. It's the energy question can be, do you want to win the fight? If you're not in the fight anymore, you're probably on the sideline and you're not praying. 
But if you're in the fight, you pick up prayer. The power to thwart those lies. The, the power to wield the word and cut asunder the baloney that the enemy is feeding you. The power to stand in Christ's righteousness and not believe what, that you are your failures or that you are what you have done or that you are what, you, what, what has been done to you. Prayer is the power that taps into that. Sam Storm says, except on rare occasions, God will not intervene to give you daily victory unless you ask him to. That's what Jesus wants. He wants you to keep knocking. Keep asking. Why? It magnifies his strength and power and love and grace. That's why. So keep asking. Keep knocking. You got beat up yesterday? Today, ask him. Talk to him. Don't, don't wallow in pity that you failed again and just sit in that for seven days not talking to your king. Turn now. Growth is not no sin. Growth is that you actually begin to repent of your sin. You turn from it and turn from it. Put it to death. Except on rare occasions. And so you've got to ask him. Wake up asking him. In the middle of the night, asking him. Praying. Praying for help. And stay alert, he says. That, that with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints, he says in Romans 12, uh, be, be faithful in prayer. Be faithful in prayer. So we're to be watching on guard against lies and fear, temptations. Also watching for the Lord to return at any moment. And we're enduring, persevering, interceding for one another and all the saints. Now, again, for the eighth time, we see again in this text, really in Ephesians, we see it for the hundredth time, that this isn't a one-on-one -on -one basketball game at the park where you're going to get hustled for all your money. This is a team game where Jesus is the captain and we're going to stand together following his lead. That, that's the beauty of here. So, so building up the body happens when each believer is using their gifts. We've said that for six years. It also happens when we pray for one another. Like if you want to build up the body, if you want to see the other men and women and children in this body become more mature, more loving and free, kind and strong like Jesus, then you'll pray for them. You'll bring your gifts to Sundays so that you can build up with whatever God has gifted you with, but you also pray because we're going to be built up by the gifts and by our prayers for, for one another. The, the enemy comes with lies and fear, but God comes with truth and grace, and then he gives us gifts and prayer. Do you see, not only Satan counterfeits, but he's also stingy. God is generous. He's like, oh, there's lies and fear there. I'm going to give you grace and truth. I'm going to come 
in the flesh, full of grace and truth, John 1. That's what he says. And not only that, I'm going to give you the, war, the, the, the armor I wore, Isaiah 59, to defeat the enemy. I'm now going to give you that, that armor so that you can fight. And I'm going to give you the ability to talk to me all the time, anytime you want. You, you could, back in the day, go to one person and ask them to ask God for you. But King Jesus' blood tore that apart, and now you talk to him directly whenever you want. <laughs> so that's why I pray at all times. Take it to him at all times. God wants us to partner with him in securing this victory. He doesn't say, stand over there and do nothing. He says, come to me and ask for all the resources and spiritual strength needed to defeat your enemy. Except on rare occasions, God will not intervene to give you daily victory unless you ask him to. I want to just call you to prayer. If, if I could encapsulate this, what I'm saying is that you would, you would, by the helmet of salvation, believe that Jesus has delivered you from the power of darkness. And in the breastplate of righteousness, you would believe that, that not your righteousness got you to God, but you stand in Christ's righteousness, that he perfectly obeyed the Father. And all of that is now your shirt. That's what you wear. And that you would wear the, the sandals with peace, ready to speak the gospel of peace, but also ready to make peace when conflict arises because the enemy loves to stir up division. And we put on this belt of truth saying, man, God speaks truth. Second Timothy tells us that there's no deceit in him. All lies in him, and so we, we speak the truth. We wear the truth. And we hold up this shield of faith to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. That our faith in who God is snuffs out the enemy's accusations and temptations. But prayer is what characterizes and permeates the whole of the Christian soldier's activity, meaning take your stand praying. Put on the belt of truth, praying. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, praying. Take up the shield of faith, praying. Pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, just like Jesus, and, and stab the enemy with the Word of God and not listen to his lies as you pray. Prayer is the power behind the armor. Prayer is what makes the armor effective in battle. You'll probably have little success putting it on and standing firm if you fail to pray. William Cowper, the great songwriter, he wrote, Restraining prayer, we cease to fight. 
Prayer keeps the Christian's armor bright. And Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Two ways the enemy would love to pick you off is just a herd mentality. If you're away from the herd, probably going to get picked off. And if you're away from your God, you're probably going to get picked off. Because you've resisted the ordinary means of grace that God has so generously given you so that you could tap in the power and not be defeated daily, but actually conquer daily. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Why? Because Jesus said, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So pray at all times in the spirit. Every prayer request. Every form. Every conceivable one. Why? Because this is how Jesus is magnified and this is how the enemy is defeated again and again and again. And so I want to ask you here as we respond is to pray. So I'm going to pray and then that's what I'm going to lead us through. Father, I ask you that I ask you for so much. I ask for you for, to, to take off the molds, the weird things with our dads that we've applied to you and we won't talk to you because of it or, or how we approach you. I, I ask that that it would no longer be just like a transaction, but it'd be personal and it'd be communing, it'd be intimate, it'd be a passionate relationship with you, Lord, I ask that. I ask for us to, to pray and stand against the enemy. And so I pray where there's been lies believed, adopted, co-opted and turned into whole lifestyle, I pray that you would cut that at the root this morning. I pray where accusations are being shot at everyone in this room while I've been talking, I pray the shield of faith would extinguish that and so we would trust you now. And then I, I pray that we'd intercede for one another. And we grow in praying for one another and in, in essentially arming one another with the, the pieces of armor by praying for them so that we might stand together following our captain, our king, our liberating warrior. Jesus, we ask this in all your name and all this in your name. Amen.